Welcome to Croxley Green Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. It's a very solemn uh, wake-up call, isn't it, that, that video? Um, it reminds us that uh, we need God's life in us if we're going to make ourselves any better. Um, I uh, wonder if you remember this advert, if we go back to the screen down here. Uh, which uh, seemed to purport or to help us um, imagine how we might get more life uh, in us. Uh, It's a bit trivial, this, after (laughs) that that poignant moment, but um, see if you remember this one. The water in Mallorca doesn't taste like what it ought to. The water in Mallorca don't taste like what it ought to. The water in Mallorca doesn't taste quite how it should. Mallorca. 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 Oi, Dale, any danger of some refreshment in here? Here you are. Get your laughing gear in there. Oh, golly. The water in Majorca. What's that? Don't taste like what it oughta. <laughs> Gosh. The water in Majorca don't taste like what it oughta. She's cracked She's only corrected. You're absolutely wrong. Heineken refreshes the parts what other beers cannot reach. So, uh, in the middle of a rather uh, dreary January, uh, perhaps we can all be forgiven for feeling like we need a bit of life breathing into us, and uh, I suspect it's a bit more difficult than just opening a can of Heineken. It would be nice if there was a quick fix like that, but the reality is we need something much more stronger and profound, don't we? Well, uh, the passage that Jane read to us from Acts 17 is uh, often used in theological colleges to teach people about preaching. It is the go-to text uh, for people who need to understand how to connect uh, with their audience. And uh, Paul's address to the Athenians is an exemplar of how to connect with people and to share the good news of Jesus. And the background of it is that uh, Paul, uh, finding himself waiting for his friends in Athens, decides to have a bit of a wander round. And uh, what he sees fills him with sadness. Because everywhere he looks, he sees idols. And uh, it must be said that uh, Paul would probably have a much more attuned radar for this kind of thing than perhaps we do. His whole upbringing as a devout Jew would have taught him to run a mile from anything that looked the least bit idolatrous or had even the possibility of having been offered to an idol. But as I was uh, looking at these pictures and remembering actually when we went to Athens, I was wondering what Paul would have noticed if had he been stranded in Croxley Green for a couple of days. What idols might he have picked up as he wandered around our streets? Perhaps he would have noticed the passion with which people extend their houses. 
especially over the winter. There seems to be extensions going up all over the place, doesn't there? Or perhaps, as he has dropped right into Hertfordshire, he would recognise that we have a passion for pubs and uh, draw conclusions about our love of alcohol, perhaps. Or maybe the number of cars on people's driveways. I wonder what Paul would have made of parents scurrying round, taking their offspring to various clubs and activities and filling up their children's lives with stuff. Maybe he would have checked out the library and wondered why there was no one debating in there. Or perhaps he would have just simply sat in Amici's with a cup of coffee and watched the new school being built and listened to people chatting about the things that were important to their lives. Well, whatever Paul might have noticed, one thing is clear from his experience in Athens. He would have seen something that he could relate to our need to hear the good news of Jesus. That was his genius. And Paul doesn't just notice the architecture in Athens. He notices what makes the people of Athens tick. He can see three clear things about them. The first thing he can see is that they are living in blind hope. In verse 21 of of chapter 17, we read that all the Athenians and the many many foreigners that lived there, so it was a cosmopolitan place, uh, loved to spend their days talking about life and the latest ideas. It's a great picture, isn't it? This idea that these people are gathered in, into this capital city, all talking about life and the latest ideas. And they are all flailing around to try and find meaning. They are listening to each other and yet really never coming to any firm conclusions. Does this sound at all familiar to you? This multicultural city is not that different from our own society, is it? These days there are a thousand different voices adding to the general melee of opinions as to what gives us real life. There are diet gurus, exercise gurus, decluttering gurus. There are life coaches, personal trainers, style consultants, all trying to give us that one bit of advice that will give us new life. I sometimes think that social media has become the Areopagus of our modern age, where people throw in everything that they think is going to give us new life. But secondly, the the people of Athens were hedging their bets, because in the midst of all these idols and statues to many, many gods, there is a statue to an unknown god. This apparently is perhaps it. And uh, the Athenians are so anxious not to miss one or anger him or her that they have covered all bases and given a statue to any god that may have been inadvertently left out. And we might smile at this, and yet isn't this exactly what modern people do these days? In an age where people can take what they like from any number of religions and beliefs, isn't that exactly what we are doing? Cherry-picking, 
covering our bases, hedging our bets. You have a conversation with anyone about faith these days, that's often what they are doing. And thirdly, the Athenians were very spiritual and yet they were still searching. And it is a mistake now, just as it would have been then, to assume that a lack of faith in the living God means that people aren't spiritual. In fact, because we are created that way, we will always find a way to feed that part of our personality. Whether these days it's at the gym, or the spa, or the Buddhist retreat, or that great temple of consumerism, the shopping centre... The Athenians were spiritual people, and so are people today. In fact, people today are probably more spiritually aware than they have been for a few decades. It is perfectly normal to talk to people about having a spiritual experience or to have spiritual needs these days. If you go into hospital, a chunk of your care plan will be about your spiritual needs. It is assumed that we all have them. And if Paul were here, I think he would be seeing this as a huge opportunity, just as he did back there in Athens. So there was lots of talking about life in Athens, and yet there was no sign of real life. There were lots of statues to every god they could think of, and yet none of these statues had any real life. And that is because then, in Athens, and now, here in Croxley, there is only one god who can bring real life. And it is that unknown god that they created a statue to, except that the unknown god has actually made himself known in two very clear ways, as Paul explains in his sermon. He's made his way known through creation, and he has made himself known through Jesus. And both of these revelations are about life. In verses 24 to 25, he describes how God has made the world and given life to everything. And as Alan read from Romans at the beginning of our service, that is enough evidence to point us to a living God. I'd like us to watch another little clip now. This is a trailer from Blue Planet 2. I sometimes find that nature programs are actually the best way to lead into worship because we see what God has made. See how this uh, makes you feel about the God who brings life. When Paul wrote those words to the Romans, saying that we are without excuse because of the world around us, think how much less of the world they could actually see compared to what we are now able to see. Some of those animals that we saw on that documentary series had never been seen by human beings before. They were created by God, hidden under the oceans, giving testimony to his creative power, and we were some of the first people to see them. Just imagine the amount of life that has gone in to that creation. The sheer variety 
and unnecessary beauty of all that God has made tells us something about the kind of life that God brings, doesn't it? Even in that short clip, we get a sense of the incredible diversity and the weird and wonderful life that God has created. Surely he could have created something simpler. Surely not all of those animals and fish are necessary to keep the planet alive. And yet what we learn from amazing programs like this is that they are all vital. They all have a part to play in the amazingly abundant and complex life that God has created. This isn't basic life. It is abundant, crazy, multicolored, joyful and inspired life. And some of the behaviours and rituals of these animals that we've been able to observe serve no purpose except that they are part of an animal's sheer joy at being alive. We might want to call that worship. This life that God has created is exuberant in its nature. It cries out in evidence of a creator that brings life. How can we ignore it when we see this amazing creation around us? But ignore it we have for thousands of years and so God came himself and uh, we're going to just remind ourselves a bit of what that life brought. The body's stolen. He said, after three days, I will rise again. Risen? He's alive. <laughs> Mary, he's alive! He said he would rise after three days. He's alive! Come on, we must tell the others, come on!
Woman, why are you weeping? You carried my lord away. Tell me where you laid him. Please. Mary. Now, in some ways, that's not a very helpful presentation because it's a very Californian-looking Jesus. But in other ways, it is helpful because uh, it, it portrays just how Jesus brings life. All those disciples were sat around despondent without life. And yet, uh, the news that Jesus is alive changes everything. The kind of life that Jesus brings is inextinguishable life. Death itself cannot beat it and in the midst of apparent defeat jesus life brings victory verse 29 and 31 of of the passage that jane read tells us that god has excused our ignorance about the life he offers but not anymore because he has sent jesus we are no longer in ignorance jesus life shows us what god's life is like And God has proved who Jesus is by raising him from the dead, giving him new life that is available to us. Just imagine for a minute the kind of power that breathes life into a dead body and raises it up out of a tomb. This is the kind of life-giving power available to us. God's calling card, the way we recognize him, the way we see him at work is in abundant life, in this living, breathing God who comes to be one of us and uses his power to bring life even after death. We couldn't see a more different God from the inanimate gods of the Athenians, could we? No wonder Paul is upset These dear people he sees debating and searching are missing the life-giving God under their noses. And Luke tells us in Acts 17 that some people in Athens heard Paul's message and became believers. They met with the living God and embraced new life. Some, but not all. Athens was no different to our own society. Even people who are looking for meaning in life can't always accept the life that only God has to offer. But they are more likely to see it and want it if it is modelled in God's people. We have a responsibility to live in the fullness of life that God has given us. We cannot afford to slip into half measures because we are part of that evidence for the life-giving God. Just as when a dolphin leaps out of the sea in sheer joy at being alive, it testifies to the life-giving creator, so our lives point to the God we know and serve in good times and bad, in sorrow and in joy, we can point to a God who gives us life in all its fullness. 
I wonder what parts of our life might we need a new injection of God's life. What situations and problems need his breath to bring them back to life. Let's invite him in to all those areas to bring new life so that we might share that new life with others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are the God that brings life, life in all its fullness. We thank you that through Jesus we can see how that life is modelled and through his death and resurrection we can see that that life is inextinguishable. We thank you for the beautiful world around us which gives testimony to the kind of abundant life you have to offer. We confess to you that we are often the ugliest thing on this planet. And we pray that you would bring new life, forgiveness, restoration, recreation into those parts of our lives that desperately need it, into those parts of our world that desperately need it. Fill us, your people, with your spirit here and now that we might have abundant life to share with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.